0: Let's look at our Bibles this evening to the book of Exodus to chapter 20. The book of Exodus in chapter 20. I'd like for us to read verse 1 through verse 21. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Our Father, again, we're thankful for another day. We're thankful for this time this evening. We pray that you'll help us as we look into your word Give us the understanding that we need and again we pray that you'll just guide us in all that we do we pray that you help us to see the greatness of our god along with our duty and responsibility unto you we pray for those of our church that need your special help and care we ask you to bless them along with them we pray for each member of the church we pray that you'd be with each one feel the needs of each according to your will we also pray for your churches and your people all over the world we ask your blessings upon them and we're thankful for each one of them again we're thankful for jesus our savior we're thankful for the redemption and salvation that we have in him and it's in his name i pray amen in Exodus in chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God. I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me And keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the Sabbath day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, and rested the Sabbath day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings, and the noise of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near under the thick darkness, where God was. I'm going to stop reading there. I'm not going to go over all of these that are these things that are listed here in the commandments of the Lord, but I do want to point out several things concerning God giving the law. I'll mention first of all something that you might find unusual is that these Laws that are given here are never called or referred to in the original language as the Ten Commandments. The original language, it is the Ten Words or the Ten Sayings. In our English Bible, the words Ten Commandments appear uh, five times, I believe it is, in our Bible, but in the original language, it's not the Ten Commandments, it's the Ten Words or the Ten sayings. This does not lessen the fact that they are commandments, for one cannot read these without knowing that they are commandments from the Lord. And there's certainly nothing wrong with us referring to these as the Ten Commandments because they are ten and they are ten in number. But I still think it's good for us to know the original writings. This was referred to as the, the Ten Words. Notice next, if you would, when it was that these commandments were given. I'm going to go back to chapter 19 and, and read this chapter and notice when the commandments were given. I think it's important for us to, to know this. In chapter 19 and in verse 1, In the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. And they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore. If ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day for the third day Day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people unto Mount Sinai. and, And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whoso touches the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not a hand touch it. But he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day, come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Let the priests also which come near to the Lord... Sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mount, and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, And thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priest and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. And that brings us to uh, chapter 20 when God did... Did give the law. But reading this, you see the preparations that were made for God giving the law. The people had to sanctify themselves and prepare themselves to meet with the Lord and for the Lord to come down and give the law as he did. There's several places here that mentions this, but if you look at verse 16. You'll notice it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings, a thick cloud upon the mount, the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. It must have been a great scene there for the people of Israel. In verse 19, when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. There was the the voice of God and God appeared there to the people of Israel as well on the top of the mountain to Moses and to, to Aaron. When God did speak these words, he did give his law. Notice again in chapter 20 and in verse 18. All the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. Go over to chapter 34, if you would. In chapter 34, there's something else that was going on at the same time. In Exodus, in chapter 34... Notice, if you would, verse verse 28 concerning Moses. I'm going to read verse 27. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for for after the tenor of these words have I made a covenant with thee and with Israel. It's interesting to me that the word covenant is used several times in relation to what's happening here. When the Lord said in verse 27, write these words, there's much confusion over that it seems like, and the wording of our English Bible makes it confusing. Write these words has to do with the words that he had just spoken, the words that you have in your Bible before you get to verse 27. Then he will go on from there. Well, in verse 20, Write these words. For after the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. Now, here's another interesting fact. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He didn't either eat bread nor drink water. Moses fasted for forty days and forty nights on the mountain there with Israel the Lord you remember the people got impatient where is Moses is he coming back and wondering about Moses and you know the golden calf was the result of all that but the last sentence in verse 28 and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant the ten commandments again it's the ten words in the original language but there's where people get confused and many believe that Moses was the one that wrote the, the law of God upon the tables. But the word he here, the pronoun he, the last verse here refers to the Lord and not to, to Moses. If there were not other scriptures to verify that God wrote it, we might take that scripture there and say, well, Moses did write that. But if you look back in chapter 34 to verse 1 the Lord said unto Moses hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first and I will write upon these tables the word that were in the first table which thou breakest. God said I will do the writing. If you back up to Exodus chapter 31 Exodus in chapter 31, and in verse 18, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. Written with the finger of God. In Exodus in chapter 32, Exodus chapter 32, verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their side, on the one side, and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tables. Now, if you will, hold your place here in Exodus 34. Now, I'm going to read from the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy and in chapter 4. Deuteronomy and in chapter 4. Now, I'll just read verse 13. And he declared unto you his covenant, Which he commanded you to perform, even the ten commandments. If you have a middle margin, it might give you the the meaning there, the ten words. Even the ten commandments. And he he wrote them upon two tables of stone. The one that gave the law is the one that did write the law. Chapter 9 of Deuteronomy. In chapter 9. And in verse ten. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God. And on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in in the in Egypt under the house of under uh, uh, let me get back to this. I went to the wrong place. It says, in the mouth, uh, out of the midst, the fire, in the day of the assembly. But I read this again just to point out that there's sufficient Bible proof that God wrote this with his finger. And also, the word covenant is associated with the law. It was more than just the law being given and the ten words spoken, but It was a covenant that God did make, and the people were held liable to it. The people were held liable to it. The the Ten Commandments, as we know them, as far as I know, are the only outward expression of the will of God that God personally wrote down. Just think, God wrote these things. He not only did speak them but God actually wrote these down and those that would hold that Moses wrote them I'd like to know how he would do it. How would Moses write on tables of stone? He'd have to have some kind of engraving to I would suppose. But back in chapter 20 I'm going to go back there. The law here is important. It is the reveal will of God and again as God wrote it down himself and gave it to the people of Israel and I won't turn there but in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 3 and verse 4 along with a pot of manna and along with Aaron's rod that budded those tables of stone were placed inside the ark of the covenant it must be important unto us In chapter 20, before God gave the law, but gave these commandments, he had something to tell them first. You'll notice in chapter 20 and in verse 2, before he began giving the commandments, he made it very clear who he was. And in doing so, he stated his authority to give them these commandments. He said, I am the Lord thy God. If there's no other reason, he has cause to do it. He has a right to do it. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I am the Lord thy God. I am Jehovah thy God. And as such, being Jehovah their God, he has that sovereign right to give the commandments and he exercises that right in giving these commandments. In giving the commandments, as I was studying this, I could not help but think that God was doing two things at least. Number one... He's expressing his holiness. What he gives here is holy. The things concerning himself are holy. The commandments, his word is holy. God is expressing his holiness, but he's also in a very concise outline giving the duty of man. Now the things that are written here in Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments, that is a concise outline for the duty of man. Hold your place. Look in the book of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes and in chapter 12. Ecclesiastes and in chapter 12. And I'll read verse 13, and here it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Then it says, for these two things, for this is the whole duty of man. This is the whole duty of man. This is the responsibility that is placed upon man. Two things here. Fear God. You know that word fear carries the meaning of reverence. God. Have a holy reverence for God. And in doing so, keep his commandments. And that's very, very important. I'm going to go from there to the book of Matthew and in chapter 22. In Matthew and in chapter 22. And here I'm going to begin in verse 34. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34. And here it says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It does not take long if you read verse 37, verse 39. It won't take you long to realize none of us have fully kept the law. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. I think we all come short there in that. Then you get to verse 39, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But we do know from the words of of Jesus that Every one of the commandments is based upon love. By his words, every one of the commandments has to do with love. That first table, those commandments that deal with God's relation, uh, man's relation to God, that's based upon love. Love for God. Then those commandments that deal with man's relations one to another, that's based upon love. And Jesus makes that very clear here in Matthew chapter 22. And I think many times when we consider the commandments, the ten, we fail to realize that love is involved in that. Look over to Galatians, if you would, in chapter 5. Galatians, and in chapter 5, And i read verse 14. Galatians 5 and in verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Go from there, if you would, to Romans in chapter 13. Romans, And in chapter 13, and I begin here in verse, verse 8. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Again, when you consider the commandments, consider love. Cannot keep either table of the commandments without love. Without loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and loving our neighbor as ourselves, we cannot rightly. Uh, Obey the commandments. Again, I think we see that we all come short. And in our coming short is the very need for our substitute, Jesus Christ. He kept the law for us. When we consider the law, as we read in Exodus 20, there are Ten commandments that are given. There are, were the two tables of stone, but it's one complete unit. It's one complete unit. Uh, when I look at the commandments, I cannot help but think of them as a complete unit. And in my mind, they're very similar to a chain with ten links. One link is just as important as another. And you'll be turning to James in chapter 2. If what I just said is not true, the words of James cannot be true. They're all linked together, and it's one unit. And it cannot be separated. In James and in chapter 2, and I'll read verse 10. James 2 and in verse 10, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. It's a complete unit. There's ten commandments that are given, but if you violate one, you're guilty of violating the whole law. And again, that's something that we need to keep in mind. Matthew and in chapter 5. Matthew and in chapter 5. I want to read verse 17 through verse 19. The words of Jesus. He said, Think not I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle Shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. There are those among Baptists, as well as others, who say that we are no longer under the law, we have no obligation to the law, and that the law is not really binding upon us. Well, the words here of Jesus, I think, disprove that. That's sufficient for me to disprove that. We should all know that we are not under the law as a covenant of works, nor as a means to obtain salvation. We know that the ceremonial law has been abolished. Jesus Christ fulfilled all of that. But yet God's moral law remains in effect. We never read in the scripture where God has made void the moral law. It is still now just as wrong to kill or to steal or to commit adultery as it was when God gave the law at Sinai. Those laws are still in in effect. The law of God, as Paul said, is still our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law still is there to, to do that. I don't think any of us know anyone who has come to Christ who was not first condemned by the law. It still has its role, and it's still God's standard for our lives, for our conduct, and the law in and of itself is a means of sanctification. I mean, we're told right and wrong in in the law. I'm going to go to Romans again, chapter 3. Romans in chapter 3. I just want to read one one verse here. And again... For those who say that the law is not in effect anymore and it's been put away. Romans 3 and in verse 31. The apostle Paul wrote. Do we then make void the law through faith? He said God forbid. Yea we establish the law. That's pretty strong words. We establish the law. Look in. Chapter 7 of Romans. In Romans and in chapter 7. Verse 14. Here Paul did write. For we know that the law is spiritual. That's something that many have missed I think. The law is, is spiritual. The commandments are spiritual. There are many legalists today, and I suppose in every generation, who give the impression that they're more righteous than others in their observance of the letter of the law. And they are in the same category. They follow the pattern of the Pharisees in the days of Jesus and the apostles. They kept the very letter of the law. But these legalists many times add many of their personal thoughts and opinions to God's law. They go about to establish their own righteousness and they have their own set of of rules including many do's and many do nots. Then they seek to impose them upon others. I find that I have all I need in Exodus 20. I don't need anybody to add any more do's or do nots to me. There's more there than I can handle, and we don't need any any more. If God thought we needed more, he would have given them. And therefore, it is kind of offensive to me when people add to the law of God. They add their own opinions, their own do's and do not's. Again, I'll say here in Romans chapter 7 and in verse 14 that the law is spiritual. The law is spiritual. Look at verse 22 of Romans 7. Paul said, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Keep in mind, the law is, is spiritual. In verse 25, he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Many want to turn that around and do it right backwards, but again, the law is, is spiritual. and Paul said, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. You go back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew and in chapter 5. And here I'll read verse 21 and verse 22. And I think Jesus shows here the spiritual nature of the law. And it's more than just the very letter of the law. When The commandment was given, for example, thou shalt not kill. There's more to it than just not committing murder. Again, just the letter of the law, you could say, I've never killed anybody. I'm keeping the law. Well, it goes beyond that. It's spiritual. Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 21, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, he gives the spiritual nature of the law here, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Again, it goes beyond just the very letter of the law. Verse 27 Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. God's the one that said that. But again, the law is spiritual. But I say unto you, That whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, Hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. There's more to keeping the law than just the observance of the letter of the law. In the book of Hebrews, I want to read in Hebrews and then go from there, compare Scripture with Scripture by reading from Psalm. But first of all, in Hebrews and in chapter 10 and in verse 7, I just find this interesting concerning Jesus. Hebrews in chapter 10 and in verse 7 then said I lo I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will O God if you would just keep those words in mind and look in the book of Psalm in the 40th Psalm in Psalm 40 And here I read verse 7 and verse 8. Psalm 40 and in verse 7. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Then he said, Yea, thy law is within my heart. Acknowledging the the law of God. Just think, when Jesus was here, that was a regulating factor in his life. The the law of God, his Father, was within his, his heart. Back in the New Testament in Galatians, notice, if you would, the work of Jesus concerning the law. And it has to do with our redemption and our salvation. Galatians and in chapter 3 and in verse 13. Galatians 3 and verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. The penalty for the violation of the law. How did he do that by being made a curse for us? Part of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ is he was made a curse for us, and in doing so, he bought us out from under the curse of, of the law. And by doing, simply by doing this, redeeming us from the curse of the law, he was vindicating the law of God. He was really honoring the law of God. I'm going to go back to Isaiah and read here, and I'm about to bring this to a close. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 21. I think I mentioned part of this verse this past weekend. I did sometime recently. Isaiah 42, and in verse 21, The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness' sake, He will magnify the law and make it honorable. And Jesus Christ did that. The law of God. The ten words. Again, I just like that in the Hebrew, the way it's expressed. The ten words or ten sayings. I'm going to close by reading something that I read this week. that uh, Charles Spurgeon. Wrote, and it's concerning the the law. He said, It's never for a man's good to do what God forbids. It's never for a man's good to leave undone what God commands. The wisest directions for spiritual help and for the avoidance of evil are those directions which are given us concerning right and wrong in the law of God. I thought that pretty well summed it up. If you want to do right, keep the commandments. We cannot leave undone what God commands. I'm going to stop here and let's stand for a word of prayer. Our Father, again, we're thankful for your word again Thankful for the preservation of your word for us. Again, we ask you to be with us, help us to consider the things that we have seen this evening. Again, we thank you for your mercy and grace toward us, for how we know we have come short of the glory of our God. But again, we're thankful for Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer. We are thankful he did redeem us from the curse of the law. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen.